You got a green light? All right, we're ready to go. Good to see everyone again, and I'm so glad to be with you all again this, this uh, afternoon, I guess. Whatever time it is where you're at, that's the time we're here. And we're glad you're with us today as well. For those of you in the, uh, uh, tuning in on Facebook, those that may be looking at us or listening to us on the radio, we're glad you're there as well. Uh, one of the things I wanted to point out to you, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Sister Reva, I think it was you that gave that to me last week, uh, put out this little paper, and it was, if you really look closely, it says the advertiser staff. So I don't know who had the advertiser, if that was uh, just a local insert paper, whatever, but there's our pastor, Brother Bob Patton, from times past, and there's the old church building, and in the back you can actually see uh, the new church building. And the one thing that I looked at, I went, I don't recall us ever having a steeple, and I had to go outside and make sure that I wasn't missing something, but there's no steeple upon the building now. Of course, um, that's changed, and uh, it, you know, it's a good picture and everything, but it, again, it shows a little bit of the history and gives us a little bit of detail, and the reality is, is that uh, I love the idea of having those kind of things put into place so that we can address them. And if you come across any history, whether in a newspaper article or anything, please let me know so I can see it as well. Now, I put that on the back of the prayer sheet, and I did highlight a couple of things. Uh, if you notice, Randy and Brenda are not with us today. And the main reason is Brother Randy uh, is going to be having a knee replacement surgery. And the doctor said, do not go anywhere. You're just, you're set tight. We don't want you to get a cold. We don't want you to get a sinus infection. We don't want anything. We want you to get, we want to go through this. So they're tuning in uh, on live broadcast. And, uh, you know, we know that they'll be here just as faithfully as they can. And, and uh, Randy's already talking about doing the 40-yard dash or something like that when, after he gets his knee done. But anyway, we're looking forward to that. I also put down uh, Charles Compton, which uh, he is a patient of Greg's at the VA. He also has terminal cancer. Uh, I highlighted that one. Bill Vargo, we did highlight him as well, uh, who is getting ready, as was stated by Brother Randy uh, earlier today, that he is going to be having a surgery on his lungs, so pray for him. And then finally, I also highlighted uh, not only what uh, was stated by Brother Joe about Jamie, but we want to remember Carla. With, she looks like she's battling a kidney stone. But also Terry Coomer. 25 years ago, I did the wedding for Terry and Tina. And uh, I was blessed to be able to go down and visit with them yesterday when I saw my uh, granddaughter. And, uh, you know, Tina was very, you know, she's very distraught. But she understands that God is with her. And so she needs our prayers, and uh, I just ask that the Lord will continue to bless. Uh, he is in hospital right now. He was at home. They transported him to where he could be uh, cared for by the doctors, but he's in the hospice section of the local hospital. All right, let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. Numbers, chapter 23. And we're going to read... Uh, the, the majority of this passage of scripture and uh, <clears throat> this chapter, we're going to be examining the topic today and preaching on the immutability of God. Now, I find it very important uh, that we preach on this particular subject. 
Uh, I hope that we can go through everything. And what I handed to all the uh, congregation was 12 things that God cannot do. And what kind of brought about the immutability of God was, I'm sure at some time in our life, especially the young men, we have had uh, people that have come up to us and say, are there anything that God cannot do? Now, I don't know why that particular topic has ever come up. Uh, there is a, a song that uh, used to be sung, I've sung it myself, and it goes, who can do, who can do, who can do anything, nobody but my God, I'm talking. Anyway, I can do the bass part. The reality is, is that when we get to that part where God can do anything, there are certain things that because of his righteousness that God will And I'm going, how ridiculous is that particular question? Why would why would God do that? I mean, let's put it this way. The, the, the ideas and the thoughts and the creativity of God and the power of God in such a way that he, he created the minute. How many of us have ever looked at a little tiny ant? I mean, we're talking about, we used to call them, we used to call them pea ants, little black ants that run across the ground. And you look at that, and they've got a skeletal. They've got a brain. They've got a heart. And yet, God created that. Then let's take a look at the, the greatest creature upon the earth that we know of today, the great whales. And yet, in those whales are the structures of what they have to live on, the bone, skeletal structures, the great big heart and everything. Yet, the same God that made the little tiny ant is the same God that made the giant beast and the same God that has made things that we cannot see. I may mention earlier today that there are angels around us all the time and we cannot see them. Do you realize that it goes back to the time of Elisha when we find a servant run up and goes, Master, Master! And he asked God so that he could see the angels and there were more angels around themselves. We are surrounded by the power of God. But when we speak on the immutability of God, many times we find the prejudice of what we believe is interjected without the word of God. Now I chose Numbers 23 for a particular reason. Let's go ahead and read it together. And notice what it says. And this is, goes back to Balaam and Balak. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by, thy burnt offering, and I will go to the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell And he went to a high place. And God met Balaam, and said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered unto upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and he said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by the burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram, out of the mountain 
mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. How shall... to mankind 
means that we have to come up on our knees and literally repent of the sins which we've committed. God has not committed any sins. When we see the word repent, God, there is still a divine. And it was then stated by Did God destroy Israel? And the answer is yes, he did. He made a and holy and divine and it is because he is righteous and holy and divine that we can hold to our presence as well we want to go to the Lord in prayer and we want to ask that the Lord might bless and guide us Father again I want to thank you for your blessings and I want you to hear my prayers as I present them to you today Lord I know that everything that I ask of you and and I know that I've studied this and I know that I've prepared but Lord Maybe I didn't do enough study. Maybe I didn't do enough preparation. Maybe I didn't do enough praying over this message. And so I ask you even now, Father, to forgive me for my slothfulness. Forgive me for my erring ways. Forgive me, Lord, for the things that I think and and the things that I do, Lord, that allow me to, to not focus upon you the way that I should. Help me, Lord, to be the man of God, even in this moment and in this presence and in this hour, so that the message may be a benefit for everyone that would hear, and that they will be blessed, Lord, and think about these things today. You are God, you are not, Lord, it's high time that we, as your people, would respect you and to honor who you truly are. So guide us, dear Father. Help us that we may follow you in all things and lead and bless now. In Christ we pray. Amen. I want to begin by talking about the the attributes of God. Now, most of us have often heard of the attributes of God, but it is important that we understand who he is and understand the character of God. Now, the attributes are one thing. The characters of God are another. The first attribute I want us to look at is called the omnipresence of Christ. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. And it took me a long time to truly understand the abilities of God as it's written from the book of Revelation. Now, I'm not, this is not a continuation of what we preached on earlier today. But I want us to take a look at when it speaks of the omnipresence of God. Let's go down to verse 8. Notice that, again, it says, I am Alpha and Omega. 
the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, and is to come the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos in the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ that was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and heard and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in the book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto uh, Pergama, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now, we read all today. Why is it that we see the omnipresence of God in this particular verse? Remember this. Jesus said, I am, I was, I shall be. Again, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which was, which is, and which is to come. We are limited. Man is very limited. By the way, let me just ask you this. How many of you wish you could go back and correct your mistakes? I know everybody here is perfect. Reva, come on. Now, I can't believe that. As wonderful and as saintly as you are, Reva, I just know that you wouldn't have any regrets. But we all know actually out right now. I think it's by Casting Crowns. Uh, Dear Younger Me. And in that particular song, he says, Dear Younger Me, I wish I could go back and explain to my dear younger me, you know, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. Why am I not doing it? I want you to know, many years ago, I was a young engineer for a company, and we, we started dabbling in penny stocks. We all threw a $100 bill into our penny stocks, and we could have bought this one uh, particular stock. We could have bought about, about 3,000, 4,000 shares, and we wouldn't have even touched. I mean, there was about 30 or 40 engineers that were all involved with this. And... Uh, it was a, a chip company. They made little microchips. And they said, look, right now they're selling at $1.19 a share. We all thought, well, you know, that, okay. And I remember that it was finally voted down that we would not buy those shares. And later on, that company grew alarmingly and divided three different times so that a share that you had back in the day that you paid for a dollar and a quarter, today would be about $100,000 a share. Your pastor would have been a rich man. The name of that little winky-dink company was called Intel. Yeah. And a bunch of the penny stock people said, oh no, we don't want to get into that. That's too risky. By the way, there's a risk that's involved in everything. There was a man that came to our door. I remember as a boy, you know, this back in 1967, mom and dad were going through a hard time, and this man knocked on the door. His name was Bob. And he said, uh, and he knew, about, he knew the Prater family pretty well. And he said, uh, Charlie, he said, uh, I'm out, and I'm, I'm trying to raise up enough money because I have this idea to take my restaurant nationally. And he said, but I'm selling my shares at a dollar a share. He said, but the only caveat is everybody has to buy at least 100 shares. And I looked, and Dad looked, and he said, Bob, he said, it's not a bad idea, but he said, I just don't have the money right now. $100 was a lot in 67. That man's name was Bob Evans. 
And he was literally one that explored and exploded the Bob Evans restaurant system. Now, why do I bring that up? Because if we all in the past and go back in the past, we would probably go with that. You know, it doesn't matter. Go ahead and buy 100 shares. Let's, let's get this family riches going. Hey, I know what we're going to do. Hey, everybody, I looked into the future, and Intel is going to be a big company. we got to buy into Intel. We don't have the foresight to do that, nor do we make our mistakes. But God does. Do you realize that God is not limited to this particular time? If God wanted, he could go back and change. Why he doesn't have to? If God wanted, he could go back and change. But he is always He went what from that point on was going to take place. The presence of God. But the presence of God was in my past when I was saved. The presence of God was in the past when Isaiah penned. He was bruised for our iniquities. The foresight and the prophecy of that man was given to him by Almighty God himself saying, this is going to happen, write it down. It was the same Isaiah who said, unto us a child... Right attached to that is amazing to me. We also have been told in the book of Isaiah that a virgin shall conceive. That was said. The omnipresence of God is past, present, and future. We should always remember that. The next attribute is one that we oftentimes don't really want to give that to God, and that is omniscience, omniscience. By the way, the word science means knowledge. You know, I just want to show something to you. We have a lot of teachers today that they're presenting something that is a lie as truth. And they're getting away with it. They are presenting an opportunity by saying is that evolution is a fact when evolution has never even been proven as a theory. Yet, we have the very word of God. I had one person say, well, you have a lot you have more faith than I do. They said, what do you mean I've got more faith? I said, you believe that all happen billions, trillions, you must name the point, it'll happen in your mind. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to ignore the power of God. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 11, and I want you to see the statement that is made in regards to the power and the knowledge of Almighty God. Romans chapter 11, and let's go all the way down to verse 33. Romans chapter 11, down to verse 33. bear with me. Humor me with this message, okay? Imagine the knowledge of God that he could speak something into existence and it would be perfectly created. Let the ant be created. And look at the multiple aspects of ants. And they all stay within their kind. Little pea ants will stay with pea ants. 
Black ants will stay with black, red with red. Bees will stay with bees. And you know how many different kinds of bees there are? And every one of them stay with their kind. Look at the different kinds of birds. I can sit outside and, and there goes a blue jay. There's a cardinal. There's a robin. And, and none of them, I mean, I never see a robin going, Hey, baby, come over here on my side. You cardinal, hey, you look good to me today. No, they don't do that. They stay within their kind. The cooing of the dove, the red squirrel, the gray squirrel, all of those are there. I saw, not too long ago, when we were down in Georgia, I saw a black squirrel or black coat, black streaks on this squirrel. But when I lived in Colorado, there was a perfectly black squirrel. Anyone ever seen an albino squirrel? Amazing. Anyone ever seen an albino deer? I would love to see just those kind of things. But those are extraordinary. But once again, let me finish up. For God hath concluded, excuse me, let's go down to verse 33. All the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of God? That, that's knowledge. Who hath known the mind of God? Or hath been his counselor? You know, when somebody wants to talk to me and they want to try to confuse me, I'm easily confused. But here's the one question. When you die, where will you be? Stop. Stop right there. When you die, where will you be? Every man, woman, and child should be asked that question. When you die, where will you be? The second part of that question is, why did Jesus come? If he was just a good man, so was Mahatma Gandhi. So as uh, other individuals, they were pretty nice. But if all why was Jesus crucified and these others let go free? You have to answer the question. The knowledge of God is past finding out. Or who has both given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to be the glory of forever. Amen. The knowledge of God. The third attribute is the power of God, the omnipotence of God. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And again, I wanted to keep these very close so that it would be easy to turn to and easy to find. Look at verse 9, verse 9 as we go down. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with the might according to the glory giving thanks unto the Father of the inheritance of the saints of the light, who hath delivered
created the heavens. He created the planets. He created the nebula. So all the things are in heaven. And all the There are places I can drive you in Colorado and you look at the crags and you look at the places and go, I guarantee you man has never touched those places. There are, I mean, wickedly jagged edges that even deer have a hard time holding on to. Goats will run those places. And we're going to say that man has touched that? Oh no. Oh no. The miracle of God is in every place. Notice again, for by him, verse 16, were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. For he is above all, for he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I want to talk about power. Look, look, did you notice the word power in there? The power of darkness? The power... And she said, you mean to tell me that God... I said, I'm here to tell you, God overcomes your will. She said, how can that be? And I took her over to the Psalms and I said, and God made us willing in the day of his appearance. It's not a hard thing to do at all. At that moment that we see him for what he truly is, our eyes are opened and we cannot wait to enter into his presence or into his arms. The power of God you have this much strength, but you have no strength when it comes to me. And by the way, Satan does not possess any of the powers of God or the attributes. Satan is not an omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He has none of those abilities. No angel has ever seen or had an experience like we have with Almighty God. And the beauty of it is, we have been blessed to see God. The problem that we find is that there are a lot of people in this world that they turn around, and that's why I gave you that slip. <coughs> Excuse me. There are 12 things that the Bible teaches us that God cannot do. Now, I wrote these verses down. And you can look them up on your own. We don't, for time's sake, I'm going to encourage you to look them up yourself. But think about this. God cannot lie. Aren't you glad? And that is according to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. God cannot change. That is according to Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. He cannot break a promise. Now, now this one, i got to stop here. Look at this. This is Psalms 89 verse 34. But now think about this for a moment. What was the first promise that was given? In Genesis chapter 3, God looked at Eve and he said, And the seed of a woman will bring the Redeemer. To paraphrase, into Mike's paraphrase. 
Do, now let's fast forward to Genesis chapter 6. And God looked upon all of mankind, and it says, and man was on the evil continually. Get the old man, you got, you got to see this. Turn with me real quick, then we'll come back. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And go down to verse 6. Does God change? Look what it says. And it repented the Lord that he made man. Did everybody see that? Genesis chapter 6. If, the, if God can change, then that means that immediately he's not going to allow, he's going to break his promises he can be changed at any realm that he wants. He can change his mind on salvation. He can change, he can change, he can change. So it says, and it repented. This is divine providence in action. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Man! How would you... Then he turns around and says, I wish I never saved you. Has he ever said that? Never. I wish I But the sins of mankind grieves the Father. And so it says in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created. That is his decree. Did God created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repenteth me that I have made them. So what is the difference? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. So while we see the, the And yet, here is an undeserving one called Noah. Aren't you glad procrastinating Noah? How many of y'all like to procrastinate? For 120 years or however long God gave Noah the opportunity to build that ark, Noah was busy about it. And think about this. He had to harvest the crops. He had to bring in the food. He had to set the ark into motion. He had to use his own money to build the ark. He had to do this. He had to harvest the wood. Do everything that God commanded. He probably had uh, the magistrates in town saying, well, you kind of built that a little bit bigger than we expected you to build it, so uh, we're going to have to penalize you for doing it. I know that sounds facetious, but if it happens today, it would happen then too. But more than anything, think about the power of Almighty God to where that he would allow even that to occur. But the omnipower of God said, I will preserve man because I cannot break my promise. Look, if you will, at verse at number four, the fourth item down. God's intent and power cannot be stopped. Daniel chapter four, verse 35. By the way, we're studying eschatology right now. 
And as we get into eschatology, what we're going to find is the way God said it was going to happen, it happened exactly. You had great Babylon. Then you had the Mede Persians. Then you had the Greeks. Then you had the God exactly said it was going to happen. God's word cannot be broken. Man, hallelujah. God promised Eve, and that existence continues today. Because of Eve's promise that God gave to her, we know that we are redeemed because of Jesus Christ. His law can be, cannot be annulled. When God speaks something, it's going to happen. God cannot stand sin. You know, isn't it, isn't it funny? We constantly ask God, would you ex excuse my sin at this moment and allow my sin to be a blessing? God will never bless where there's sin in the place. God cannot despise a broken and God cannot despise a broken and contrite heart. When I fall upon my face and if I am truly broken and I need to be more broken, God will pardon my sin. God will forgive me. That's the promise of 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. The next one we see is God cannot God cannot be pleased without faith. In other words, all of our mankind, all of our angles, all of our doings are no good unless he is in it. His church will not be destroyed. God never tires of being, of being worshipped and he never stops loving his children. The world wants to play mind games. I want to be very careful to understand this. When I think of the immutability of God, I don't want to think about what the world thinks of God. I want to know what I think of God. If I went around the room today and I said, what's your thoughts about the omnipresence of God? I'm sure everybody has an answer. But how many of us have ever been challenged by someone in the world and they just want to take a pop shot at God? There's no respect even in, even in America. And look at all the blessings we've had. And in our country, I'm, I'm not talking West Virginia. I'm not talking about Southern Ohio. I'm not talking about Kentucky. We are blessed in this area to see the handiwork of God over and over again. But if I was to take you in regions of Colorado and California, even a little bit further south of here, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, there's no respect for the things of God. I work with individuals and they hear that I'm a preacher and I want to ask people while I'm working with them what's your, what's your life story? Why do I want to know their story? Because I want to know if at any time they ever tell me that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. I will find great joy in the moment of my life when I stand before God and I'll say, Lord, all that you have given me to teach, I have done my duty. I belong to Jesus. But I still want to see more people saved. And it's not too late. There's a church down in Augusta that they are having, it's a Baptist church, and the preacher stands up and he preaches the word of God and he goes, you know where our mistake is? We think God is done. Tell me, where is God done? The 
there was a church that just had revival down in North Carolina. I don't know if the revival is still going on, but when they interviewed it, he said, we weren't looking for a revival. God sent it, and it's still going on. I don't know when God's going to return. I don't know when Jesus will part the clouds. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. But here's the thing, that his promises stand fast. Stop playing games with God. The third point that I want us to look at is this. The answer is simple. If we can't understand that God cannot change, there is no aspect of who he is that gives us assurance. I want to stop here and I want you to think about this. If God can be moved upon change, and immutable means God can change, mutable means. But if God is immutable, he cannot change. And what I tell people is, if God can change, then one moment I can be saved, then one moment I can be lost. One moment I can be saved, one moment I can be lost. If God can change, then God can love me one day and hate me the next. Love me one day and hate me the next. The reality is, God saved Mike Prater. He paid too great a price for me. I'm going to give you a thought. Jesus died upon a cross that was not prepared for him. Whose cross was it? In reality, it was my cross. But it was a man that was not worthy named Barabbas. Wouldn't it be amazing if we enter into heavenly places and there stands Barabbas? And he said, I deserve to die. But Jesus took my place. Maybe he went on his way and he continued to be evil. But upon a cross that was not even prepared for Jesus, he died for us. And at the appointed time of our life, we come to see Jesus as our Savior, and he says, I have secured you. It is finished. And if that is the case, I am totally and honestly secure in him. Isn't that great? Lord's willing, we're going to pick up from here next week but I want you to think about this. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? He is the one that sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross of Calvary. For Jesus is God. And has the power and the presence and the ability over all. Father, again, I want to thank you for your time. And I pray that the message that has been delivered today has been exactly what we've needed. So lead us, I pray thee, Father, guide and bless and watch over us. And may we always rejoice in you, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy.